It's KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Wow, my name is Mike Hagan. This is Radio Orbit. I'll be back in a few minutes. Can't grow nothing out no dirt. Get your hands in it. Drink it from a straw. Under your nails, into your eyes. Holy dirt will grow your spirit tall. How about that there? Little John R. Miller to get things going. And uh, good evening. All right. Good morning. Good day. Whoever you are, wherever and uh, whenever you might be listening to this radio program, welcome to the show. It's Radio Orbit. Good to be with you tonight once again. Glad to be back here at KOPN in the studio and talking with you in real time. Radio Orbit every Monday from 11 until... Two normally we're going to do 11 till 1:30 today. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But anyway, uh, we do it on Mondays, and we look at the cutting edges in science and technology and nature, art, and music, and medicine. Sometimes strange and unusual, always interesting, usually pretty cool. You listen to it Monday, July 6th, 
2020. Hope you're all doing well out there and things are good for you. Welcome to the show. Hope you're enjoying the evening. Warm Monday night here in mid-Missouri. Waning gibbous moon full just a day or so ago. Sky is uh, pretty clear here, I guess. After a pretty hot weekend. Although I was away. I was up in Illinois for a few days and uh, hot as hell up there as well. So anyway, hope you all had a good weekend and you're back at it and things are going all right for you. Wherever you are, take a step outside. Take a look up and into the heavens, wherever you are. Maybe it'll provide some healthy perspective. All right. Of course, uh, once again, it's a nice night to curl up and listen to Radio Orbit. Let me take care of a little bit of business here, and then we'll get on to the show, okay? All right. Always a big thank you to the remarkable people that keep it rolling here at KOPN. Wonderful staff and a whole host of volunteers that make it happen great radio for nearly 48 years we've been doing it for a long time 24 hours a day seven days a week every day of the year an awesome collection of people doing it here at the mighty fine 89 on mondays woody gets it rolling with traditional classic country and ameripolitan music more country than ever from 3 to 6 p.m with the real deal country show woody atkins wonderful stuff today as well, uh, including a little tribute to Charlie Daniels, a wonderful country rock artist who uh, passed away, I think, earlier today, as a matter of fact, this morning. So anyway, great stuff always on The Real Deal Country Show with Woody Atkins. Tech Radio takes over at 6 o'clock, keeping us up to snuff on the wild and wacky world of modern and advancing technology. Kelvin... Kicking ass, as always, on Jazz Plus Blues Equals Anything Goes. And just concluding, New Wave Radio Theater, the L.A. Theater Works. Remarkable presentation there and a production of The Mountaintop. Awesome stuff. Uh, an intuition of a story of Martin Luther King. And it was so good that I had to let it roll there a couple minutes after the top of the hour. I hope you didn't mind that, but... Hope you got something out of it as well. Maybe you were listening to the whole program. It was absolutely fantastic. So anyway, good music, good talk, good news. 89.5 on the dial streaming all around this nutty planet at www.kopn.org. My name is Mike Hagan. This is your imagination station. It's KOPN Columbia. Big thank you to all of you for uh, listening and participating. I appreciate the feedback. Email, Twitter, Instagram, Parler, etc. Hello to everyone. Cheers. Keep it up. I love hearing from people. And please feel free to get in touch with me, whether it's an idea for a show, maybe, or a musical artist that you'd like me to check out, or you know, a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the program. Whatever. Maybe you've got art, you've got poetry. Let me hear it, and I'll share it with others, okay? Okay. Last week, uh, a 36-year-old piece from 1984, and the Russian dissident uh, KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov Yuri Bezmenov defected from the Soviet Union in 1970 in 1984 an amazing man named uh, G. Edward Griffin I don't know how he did it I should probably ask but uh, G. Edward Griffin was able to spend some time with Yuri Bezmenov and get his story and you heard about an hour of it maybe an hour and 20 minutes of it or so 
last week, and I hope you appreciated uh, what you heard because it was history and really remarkable if you look at it from the mind's eye with hindsight. And honestly, for me, it was like, huh, oh, so that's what happened. <laughs> okay, I get it now. All right. We also did a little space weather, and we uh, did a couple stories out of the news. But if you missed the show last week or any of the older shows, for that matter, they're on the web and available in the archives at the website. My website, that is www.mikehagan, M-I-K-E-H-A-G-A-N, mikehagan.com. The archives are there for the show. There's a music archive as well if you're interested in some of the uh, music that maybe you heard on the program. You can find int- uh, information about those artists there. And, uh, yeah, speaking of music, great songs last week, again, from my friend Andrew Ryan. And all of that available at the website. All right, last thing, you might consider getting on the web and checking out the Radio Orbit forum. You can post questions directly to me there. And uh, there's lots of interesting news that kind of just... Uh, evolves over time Uh, if you go to the website at mikehagan.com just click on the button there that says radio orbit forum and you can see what i'm talking about lots of new members recently i think about 250 people over there now and uh, appreciate that so hello to everyone and thanks for joining the party top of the forum there is a pin post about the podcast and the radio orbit podcast is available if you'd like to have it show up in your player magically every week you can subscribe okay all right tonight uh something from edward snowden first uh then we'll do space weather and a couple of news stories actually two in particular i don't know if i'll get anything other than those two because um i was sort of challenged uh, to talk about them a little bit uh but i'm also going to open the phone line so uh you can give me a call Anytime along the way, if you'd like, the numbers here are 573-443-7380, 573-443-8255. And uh, music tonight, John R. Miller. Some great country sounds, compliments of my friend Matt Jones. Shout out to Jonesy, always pointing me toward good new music. He did not fail tonight. Uh, we started the show off, I should say, with uh, a song from... John R. Miller that was called Holy Dirt. Here's another one from John. And uh, I'll get back with you after this. It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM, on the web at kopn.org. A song called Lights of the City. for this city But I can't stay away It's too late for survival now What's that anyway? And if you get lonesome In the thick of the crowd Maybe they won't notice 
maybe they'll help you out You ever seen sunrise at noon Felt burnt gasoline by the light of the moon I will go walking beneath starless skies The lights of the city stay by my side Cutting my string soon But for now hold me tight And I shall not wander I shall not roam Till the wind gets to shifting Carried along. Have you ever seen the sunrise at noon? Felt burnt gasoline by the light of the moon. How will the walking beneath starless skies? The lights of the city. called Lights of the City. Great stuff from John R. Miller. <clears throat> Again, shout out to my buddy Matt Jones for tipping me off to Mr. Miller tonight. All right, uh, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. If you were paying attention a few years back, a gentleman named Edward Snowden was a quite familiar name to many people. Maybe still is to you. Anyway, he's a uh, U.S. citizen who lives in Russia now, but uh, was a former intelligence community officer and a whistleblower. Uh, He revealed a bunch of documents and uh, provided a 
public window into some of the operations of the intelligence gathering and surveillance uh, state that was evolving here in the United States of America. Um, the revelations that uh, Edward Snowden brought about created a tremendous amount of attention around the world and brought people's eyes to the idea of privacy and what it really meant and uh, the intrusions that were happening regularly, digital security, and really the things that he, uh, that he did sort of led to a opening of a global debate on the issues of surveillance, intelligence gathering, and privacy, personal liberty, personal freedom, and your right to privacy. Anyway, uh, Snowden is still alive and uh, still making news. And uh, he recorded a piece a couple of days ago that I think is worth listening to. It's about 15 minutes or so long. And uh, I'll let you check it out and you can kind of decide for yourself. The numbers here are 573-443-8255, 573-443-7380 if you want to chat afterwards. Uh, but once again, uh, Edward Snowden. And you listen to it here on Radio Orbit, KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. I'll be back with you all in just a few minutes. This is changing the world. Uh, some could say the change has already happened. They, they've got lists about everybody. They've got lists, more lists than Santa Claus. And you're on all of them. You have been hacked. But this is coming and it's coming quickly. These are the things that nobody wants us to know, but everybody needs to know. We wouldn't know about any of this if people weren't willing to take risks to tell us, the public, what is being hidden from us. Whenever a great institution, a great power, a great government is embarrassed uh, or their policies are called into question, in a way that challenges their power um, on a fundamental level, right? Not, not at the edges, uh, not, not in a way they can easily change, but, but something that goes right to the heart of what they claim an authority uh, is that belongs to them and them alone. They say these people are, are traitors. Do you think he's a traitor? I know he damaged the country, and the Obama administration will deal with it. I've got to be careful here, Major, because uh, Mr. Snowden is under indictment. He's been charged with, with crimes, and uh, I, I can't weigh in specifically on this case at this point. You think Edward Snowden was a traitor in revealing that? I can never condone what he did. You know, he stole millions of documents, and the, you know, the great irony is the vast majority of those documents had nothing to do with American civil liberties, privacy, or anything affecting um, us here at home. They were about information we had vis-a-vis -vis China, Russia, Iran, others. If I am a traitor, as these generals and presidents and all these uh, figures say, the John Kerry's of the world, who is it that I betrayed? The information that I revealed didn't go to the Chinese, it didn't go to the Russians, it didn't go to the Brazilians, it didn't go to the French. It went to American journalists, right? That all made an independent editorial determination 
Not just this is what some crazy guy uh, at the NSA thought the world needed to know, not just Americans, but everyone needed to know, but what the newspapers thought the world needed to know. This is why we have a free press and open societies. The whole reason they exist is to challenge the monopoly on information held by the most powerful and influential members of our society. The only things we know about the worst things they've done is because someone took a risk to tell us. And if telling the public about things of, of vital democratic importance, right, the boundaries of your rights, the kind of world that you live in, is now treason, uh, it's the act of a traitor, that means the government considers the public the enemy. And if that's the case, that's the side that I want to be on. Uh, this isn't about names, uh, this isn't about programs, this isn't about law, the problem is deeper, it is structural. We, our generation, is witnessing the greatest redistribution of power in civil society since the Industrial Revolution. What does that mean? Exciting words, right? Uh, how did it happen? A generation ago, surveillance was extremely expensive. Uh, every government had to spend extraordinary sums, uh, amounts of money, to track individuals. Uh, to know somebody's location, uh, just their location required teams of officers, uh, both in buildings and out on the streets, uh, that were working across many different shifts. Uh, today, that dynamic is reversed. Uh, one guy sitting in front of a desk, uh, in front of a monitor, you know, in the, in the air conditioning, uh, can now track with precision unimaginably large numbers of people. And this is for the first time in human history uh, that this is really possible, both technically and financially, for both governments and corporations start to not just see what an individual is doing, but for the mass of the public. And from the things they see, without even using human eyes, but electronic ones, to start to uh, collate, to collect, uh, index, and, and save nearly complete records of all of our lives, all of our daily activities. It doesn't matter whether you're a criminal, it doesn't matter whether you're an innocent, because under these regimes of bulk collection, uh, as they call them, or mass surveillance, as the public calls them, um, things are collected in advance of suspicion, just in case they think it's interesting later on. And they say, well, if we don't read these things, if we simply collect them, it's not a violation of your rights, because a human out of the machine. The idea of an unconsidered thought, the youthful indiscretion, a forgotten mistake. You know, the picture of us drinking uh, when we were younger at a party that our parents didn't know about. Just being among friends, you know, those are starting to sound quaint for a, a forgotten time. Uh, these are things that no longer exist. Mistakes that don't follow us, everything follows us. And think about what that means for just the, the human psyche. Who remembers precisely what they were doing uh, on this evening just a few weeks ago? How about a few months ago? How about a few years ago? None of you, probably. Uh, I don't. But the spies at your intelligence services, they do. 
They, they've got lists about everybody. They've got lists, more lists than Santa Claus. And you're on all of them. Think about Facebook. Think about Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, he's almost intentionally insulted uh, parliaments in Europe by going, I don't have to answer your questions. I'm too busy. I'll send some, you know, person at the bottom of the corporate structure uh, to go sit in the chair, but my chair will, will be empty. And think about what that means about how he views the world and your place in it. The reality is Facebook doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about your country. It doesn't care about your politics. Uh, it doesn't care about your future or what happens to you. Facebook cares about your data and only your data. They are a surveillance company and their product is you. It is the record of every article that you've ever read, that you've ever bothered to click. But it's more than that. It goes deeper. It's the people that you care about and who among them means the most to you. It is the ideas that attract you and the things that repel you. It is a system that is designed to observe your life, to calculate the value of it, to crystallize it, to save it, and then to do something with it. It is a system designed to put your mind on a shelf with a price tag that is available to anyone with the money. And it works. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, these are just the things that I put out there online, voluntarily. You'd be wrong. Uh, but for the sake of argument, let, let's pretend it's true and move on again, away from government, away from just social media, that kind of corporate surveillance, something more personal. What about the things that you don't choose to share? How many of you in the audience have a smartphone with you right now? You know, an iPhone or an Android phone? It's everyone. I want you to imagine uh, that right now there's a Russian company whose entire business is based around the idea of developing a kind of digital burglary tool. And they go by the name the NSO Group. Uh, their product used to work like this. Uh, they'd send you a time-sensitive text message with a link in it, uh, something that they think you're likely to click, uh, like a package delivery notification or uh, an alert that one of your family members has died and these are the funeral arrangements uh, and are you going to be there? Uh, and if you click this link, uh, and, and because they can try a hundred different times in a hundred different ways, uh, eventually everyone does, your phone now belongs to whoever sent you that message. You have been hacked by this product. Now the scary thing is because of refinements in this practically criminal product, uh, and it has a real name because this is a real life example, uh, it, it's called Pegasus, uh, it's now being reported that they no longer need you to click anything. Uh, no user interaction is necessary. All they need is your phone number and they can hack your phone. Now from that point on, everything in the entire history of that phone, they can instantly and immediately copy. And everything that happens on your phone from that day forward, every place you go, everyone you call, everything you read, every photograph or because they can turn on your camera and they can turn on your microphone whenever they want, not just when you want it. Everything that simply passes by that device, everything your phone is a part of, they are now a part of.
All right, we got another five minutes or so. That's just part one, believe it or not. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I really don't give a shit uh, if people are watching me or listening to me or seeing what's on my phone. Maybe they'll learn something. Okay. Uh, more to come here with Edward Snowden. We've only got about another five-minute piece or so. So let's do that. And I got somebody else on the telephone here. So maybe we'll say hi to who's on the phone here. And then I'll come back and play the last little chunk of this Edward Snowden piece. All right. Hi, uh, it's Mike, and you're listening to uh, Radio Orbit. Who's this? Hey, hey Mike Bean. Hey, Mike Bean. Hey, hi, hi, Bartholomew. Will you do me a favor and turn your radio down? Turn your radio down? Yeah, I can do that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm hanging, I'm hanging out over at Clicks. I'm looking at the moon through my binoculars and listening to your radio program, so I, I'm very, very... Uh, <laughs> Clicks, huh? Entertained. I'm quite, quite pleasantly entertained, I must say. <laughs> well, hello to all the folks down there at Clicks. is one of the one of the more happening places anywhere around town these days. There's not much happening these days. Hey, the, gang, the gang from Booches came down. They were hanging. I was over at Booches earlier tonight. I'm trying to make up the lost time, you know. Great, ate a great meal at Booches and uh, came back over. And then all hung around town and, you know, and, and, <laughs> and uh, visited with my friend Vince. And I'm hanging out here, clicks, watching the moon, listening to your radio program. It's great. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear from you, Barton, and 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 you're you sound like you're having a good time tonight. And I'm glad that somebody is because it's a it's a difficult time right now for for everybody, the whole world, and um, I'm I'm feeling it tonight. And uh, I'm glad that glad that uh, you took the time to call. You got anything else on your mind? You want to say uh, say hi to anyone or anything you want to chat about? I, I want to make a uh, like a, a, a kind of like a, a hopeful gesture of consciousness. Yes, please. And a, kind of like a prayer kind of thing. Please. Which, is, which I hope is really how it all works. But I, I just pray that this city council will not oh. choose to uh, put its citizenry into a another quagmire of confusion and a loss of trust. And, mm. and, and so much is going on with the people of our world today. That's, not what, to I thought, that's not what I thought you were going to say, but interesting. Hmm. What's going on right now at the city council meeting, I was over there earlier. It was like I've been at funerals that were more joyous. Hmm. And uh, so, well, I mean, that was... <laughs> I'm just saying that sometimes the city council meetings kind of like suck the life out of your soul or something. You know, huh. there's something weird about them. And so I don't, ha- I don't know. People are, what people are saying is they probably think that they're this for that, but this mask thing is not, does not seem to me to be a positive thing for the people of our world. And this is being debated tonight? Is that, okay, so I'm, I know that the city council was, uh, I, to be honest, Bart, I don't pay that close attention. And I, I, I think they were going to make a decision tonight, other what, but the, uh, the details of which I'm not, uh, I'm not really aware of. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so, to be honest... I'm frustrated with a lot of things, you know, and I'm, I guess maybe I should be paying closer attention to what's happening there. Um, well, let me, let me just go over some of the things I've been learning about this mask thing and about the coronavirus thing over the last several months. And what I've garnered over a period of time is that the actual 
power of this virus is limited. It is a dangerous virus, but it's very limited. And that exposure to sunlight kills it. Exposure to uh, oxygen kills it. Hey, Bean. Um, Hey, Bart. I'd rather not talk about I don't want to talk about scientific stuff with regard to this virus. Um, there's too much mud in the water already, I, I, honestly. But but I don't mind. But I, but I will, if if you want to give me your opinion about the mask thing, you know, and 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 I'm all good with it, you know, because uh, I I think we're, you know, you're welcome to your. We're all welcome to our to our opinions. Right? The problem the problem is that pretty soon we're not welcome to our opinion. Um, this is the biggest yeah. problem that I see. Is uh, I, I see personal liberty, freedom, uh, constitutional issues more than anything uh, with, with, this, with the whole virus, regardless of, of the, uh, the scientific side of it. Um, I, I, I have a story that I'm going to read in a little bit here that uh, you know, has to do with the origins of, of the coronavirus. And, you know, and all of it is extremely unsettling, Bart. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, so, it's so bad. <laughs> but... And I and I get you, man. I I I feel your frustration. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I, I just don't want to talk about. Um, I I just don't want to talk about the science because there's already enough. Well, no, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm not going there anyway. I just wanted to mention that the uh, just the other there are others other sources of information that brought things to light. Yes, yes. The there are lots of different. The positive light. Yeah. The positive light. Mm. And so, so that that was where I was wanting to just. Uh, I want to alleviate fear, alleviate people's fear of this because it is not to be feared. Well, fear is, is a fear is a huge weapon, and it's being used right now. That's for yes, sure. Yes, it is. So. Yes, it is. And uh, and uh, and that that the information that uh, I have heard over the last several months, and it does not come from mass media. It does not come from your your corporate news it comes from people citizens who are struggling to find all the details about this mm-hmm. and they're reporting it to everyone that they can through sites on youtube these people are honest and very people with high integrity i mean and the integrity is so incredibly high that it just astounds me and i am so blessed by the fact that these people exist because they have helped me alleviate the fears that that, that generally you would accumulate because of what is being said on corporate news. And uh, I just wanted to relay that to everyone because uh, I am I have great hope and I'm not afraid. And it's because of what has been said by so many people mm-hmm. that have said that the hydroxychloroquine and all that stuff, it actually helps not for it not to be lethal. So the best thing to do is to look at the death rate not at the not at the incidences of new cases. The incidences of new cases are brought on by testing, and testing. Well, that's a lot be- of it. Yeah, I mean, mortality is really what, what we're looking. At. I, I I pay attention to hospitalizations and to deaths, and and those seem to be still on the decline, uh, or 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 at least or at least normalized. Entirely. You know. I agree entirely. Yeah. And that's what everybody keeps. God, they have everyone has to remember that. Yeah, and yeah. not be confused by all the news, newsiness, and well, all the wordiness and everything that's going on. You know, it's amazing that the power that media wields, and the fact that the memory is so short for 
for most people. I don't know what it is. It's almost like a like a spell binding or a or a hypnosis or or or, or mind control. I, I you know I, I dare to say, but I mean we've been lied to over and over and over and over again. I'm 55 years old. And I mean, I can't remember a time when the news people, the major, you know, players in the news back in the day, it was just ABC, NBC, CBS. And then you had your big papers, the Tribune and, uh, you know, in Chicago, of course, and all the big papers of the day. And, and still today, you know, the New York Times and, and the Washington Post and all of them. There's not a time in my life that I can remember when a real story or, or, or something you know, important was going down that they actually told the truth about it. They didn't. They, they lied about everything. They've lied about everything. I mean, all of the important things over the course of my life, and I'm talking about uh, foreign interactions, wars, uh, uh, it's just they, they never told the truth about any of it. I mean, ever since John F. Kennedy was killed, um, it seems to me, to, to me, that was the end of, of, of American, I, I don't want to say democracy, because we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic, and I'm so sick of people saying that we're a democracy. That's, that's, all that is is mob rule, and, and boy, you're seeing it right now. Uh, but, okay. you know, at any rate, the media, mass media, has done no service whatsoever to any of us for our entire lives and and yet people still clamor to the things that they that they feed and you know it's it's unbelievable and now it's just really it's really it's a mess Bart because no one can tell what's really true because now now there's just so much uh, out there that you know for every story there's a contradictory story you know for every for every supposed truth there's someone that will tell you that that's false and people are absolutely confused and i get it and i'm i'm confused myself and it and it's really sad and um i don't know i i appreciate your uh, your message of hope because that's what that's what we need is 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 some hope but a friend of mine, I did uh, some math with a friend of mine this morning, and we were, we were trying to figure out what the general population of Columbia was. That's probably about 100,000. Yeah, plus or minus, and yeah. So if you took 1% of 100,000 people, right, and if 1% 1 of those people were penalized $15 for not wearing their mask. That's 1,000 people, by the way, 1% of 100,000, okay. And if, if so if 1% did not... If somebody forgot to wear the mask, and couldn't buy one, or whatever, they couldn't do it, then they were penalized and fined mm -hmm. $15 uh, for not wearing their mask, then that would amount to, per week, about $15,000, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's 1000 times fifteen, $15,000 a week. Now, my, my, my impression is that this will probably, if they do pass it, it'll probably be taken out on the businesses. Um, I, and and I feel sorry for the police, uh, uh, you know, in, in a time where where they're really being put under a lot of pressure, first of all, to, to you know, to, to defund them. Uh, even here in Colombia, there is a uh, I believe that there's an active uh, uh, program to, you know, to pretty much, you know, defund the police. And that, and, and now now you're going to put them in a situation where they're supposed to 
approach people for not wearing a mask. I mean, I, I just see that creating all kinds of potential problems and, and just creating situations that, uh, that, that just don't need to be made, you know? And it creates great, even harder and greater division between the people I, and the government. I, I, I agree with that. It's more, it's more divisive than it is uh, uniting. Yes, I agree. I don't know what the answer is, Bart. I, it's uh, uh, I, What was the air like uh, at the city council meeting? I mean, uh, we're, I, I, went, I walked into the city council uh, this evening earlier. I haven't been there since, and but uh, I've had better times at funerals. Yes, I know. But I mean, were there a lot of people there? Was there a debate, or or I mean, are there people on? <laughs> Uh, you know, are people getting involved with this, or is it just pretty much the council there kind of kind of deciding? It was as do you know as council meetings as always is is kind of well. I mean, I, maybe I'm being judgmental, but but um, but at any rate, tonight it had a lot of people sitting in space chairs. There was only a, there was a, a you know there was just a few people, but there was all spaced out in these chairs. It's mm -hmm. like they're really. Yeah. 10 feet apart or whatever so yeah. there's probably maybe about 40 people in the general arena and some and then the people are going up to speak and uh, but the but it just likes the the general energy of the of the whole meeting kind of like sucks the life out of your soul hmm. <laughs> uh, well i don't know i don't know what they're going to decide We'll see, and I just, I, I just wish the best for everybody. It's a, it's a mess. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, the the virus is is certainly a real, and it's certainly dangerous. Um, I I think the biggest, one of the bigger problems that we have, is that we're not being told the truth. Uh, again, this goes back to sort of the original loop in our conversation, but so. When, when people aren't told the truth over time, pretty soon you'll get a certain percentage that just say forget about it. They, they don't even care. They're not going to listen to one side or the other because they're just fed up. And, and that's you know, a, big, a big part of what's happening now as well. Uh, people are just fed up. It. People are just fed up. And, and, I, and I mean, you know, the actual, you know, the, the major institutions, the WHO, the CDC, um, they've gone back and forth and back and forth. There's a story. Um, in fact, if you go to the CDC right now, let's see if I could find, gosh, I can't, I'll, I'll have to find it at a break here, but I'm going to read this story, Barton, if you want to stay on the line with me. But, um, but the CDC uh, actually, as of July 3rd, said that, that we were actually approaching the, uh, the level where they can't, where, where they no longer would call it a pandemic, where they would, or, or exactly. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, not pandemic, where it was no longer epidemic. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, yes. In other words, for 10 straight weeks, mortality has come down uh, across the United exactly. now, now regardless of whatever whatever you're hearing out there people I'm just talking about the numbers from from the Centers for Disease Control this is the yeah, this is the, the math, right yeah I mean I mean th this is the one that everyone says that you got to be listening to so I am not and I, I get accused all the time Bart of being you know uh, spreading disinformation and all kinds of stuff I but yeah. I, I'm doing my best to you know to uh, to share what I believe is the truth the CDC says and you can go to their own website that for the for for 10 weeks straight uh mortality uh, has gone down to the point where if it continues it will no longer be considered 
uh, epidemic. Um, That's exactly what they don't want anyone to know. Well, they don't want them to know that that was stated, and they will keep that from the people for the till the. Well, I, I, I read it on the CDC's website today, and in fact, uh, in fact, I'm I'm going to put a piece of music on here uh, after I read this uh, this other story. Well, actually, we're almost top of the hour, so I should probably do that. And I've got this Snowden thing that I Bart, you know, you're really throwing a wrench in my show tonight. Uh, oh no, I'm not. I'm not the man. I am. I am. <laughs> But but I, I was playing this thing from Edward Snowden, and it, 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 was, like a, it, was, it was like a 10-minute piece and then another five minutes. I don't know why they made it fifth. I don't know why they split it up. But anyway, you called in between, and um, I get, now, now you got me going, too. So um, you stay on the line with me. I'm going to play the rest of this. I got to do what, I'm, what I was going to do. I'm going to play the rest of the Snowden thing. That'll cool, man. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Snowden's. Yeah, just stay on the line with me, though, if you want, and then... And then we'll have top of the hour play a piece of music, and then we'll come back. And I want to talk about a story from from the Netherlands. Uh, actually, um, where is uh, is Dr. Sorensen from? He's from Norway. Uh, but anyway, a brilliant uh, Norwegian virologist whose name is Birger Sorensen, and uh, he is one of the few people who have kind of broke the silence about something else that I'm going to share with everyone at the top of the hour. But all right, um, Edward Snowden here, and then Bean, uh, we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit after the top of the hour, okay? Sounds good, Mike. Good to hear it from you. Yeah, I'm glad you called, and, uh, and you know, it's it's crazy time, Bean. All right. It's, hey, yeah. I'm enjoying the Snowden stuff, by the way. All right. Uh, back in a few minutes with uh, with him. Uh, with Bart, and in the meantime, let's finish up with this piece from Edward Snowden, uh, part two. Here it is. It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. I'm on the web at www.mikehagan, M-I-K-E-H-A-G-A-N, MikeHagan.com. And, um, yeah, <laughs> back in a few minutes. How many of you in the audience have a smartphone with you right now? You know, an iPhone or an Android phone, it's everyone, right? I want you to imagine uh, that right now, there's a Russian company whose entire business is based around the idea of developing a kind of digital burglary tool. And they go by the name the NSO Group. Uh, Their product used to work like this. Uh, They'd send you a time-sensitive text message with a link in it. Uh, something that they think you're likely to click, uh, like a package delivery notification or uh, an alert that one of your family members has died and these are the funeral arrangements uh, and are you going to be there? Uh, And if you click this link, uh, and and because they can try a hundred different times in a hundred different ways, uh, eventually everyone does, your phone now belongs to whoever sent you that message. You have been hacked by this product. Now, the scary thing is because of refinements in this practically criminal product, uh, and it has a real name because this is a real-life example, uh, it's called Pegasus, Uh, it's now being reported that they no longer need you to click anything. Uh, No user interaction is necessary. All they need is your phone number, and they can hack your phone. Now, from that point on, Everything in the entire history of that phone, they can instantly and immediately copy. And everything that happens on your phone from that day forward, 
every place you go, everyone you call, everything you read, every photograph, or because they can turn on your camera and they can turn on your microphone whenever they want, not just when you want it. Everything that simply passes by that device, everything your phone is a part of, they are now a part of. I want you to reflect on that capability and the nature of it being created and provided by this, you know, Russian enterprise. And think about this from the legal angle. In their defense, they say they only sell this under contract to legitimate customers, only to law enforcement agencies, only to police, only to governments, and only for the purpose, under the contract, of targeting terrorists and criminals. Does that sound better? So many people today around the world uh, in developed societies, right? We're not talking crazy authoritarian regimes. We're not talking Saudi Arabia, China, Russia, North Korea, you know, Iran, whoever you don't like. Uh, but we're talking about France. We're talking about Germany. We're talking about the United States. We're talking about Israel. Uh, they believe the rule of law and the legality of a thing is the beginning and the end of the conversation. But I want to remind you that the legality of a thing is very different from the morality of it. If a company sells a product with a single purpose, breaking into the devices relied upon by private individuals from you to journalists, to judges, to, and I'm not making this up, the president of the Mexican Senate, who was in opposition at the time, how can this be? the kind of situation we want to find ourselves in. Their only product is access to other people's belongings. Their only product is access to the things sitting in your pocket right now. And the most important thing to understand out of anything I'm going to say tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Under all these laws, this is not a crime. Business model of commercializing public insecurity is the biggest threat to the future of cybersecurity that no one is talking about. We know about Facebook. We know about Google. Uh, we know about all of the telecommunications networks uh, and their willful collaboration with governments even beyond what the law allows. But this is coming and it's coming quickly because even if you trust Israel, even if you trust French companies to do the same thing, these companies do not have a monopoly on this business model. Russia is doing the same thing. China is doing the same thing. And we are creating a dynamic in which the insecurity of critical infrastructure is profitable. These are the things that nobody wants us to know, but everybody needs to know. And it is this principle that's all too easy to forget in our comfortable lives of accepting risk on an individual level in order to improve things on a collective level that moves us toward a better world. Now, this question that I ask you tonight, you know, is it better, is it worse? Uh, what's going on with surveillance? Uh, are things improving? Um, is not the real question. The question that I ask tonight should be very familiar because you heard it five years ago. This wasn't about surveillance. Surveillance was the mechanism of discussion, but the fundamental topic was democracy and the disempowerment of the public. The fact that we are being transformed from citizens, partners to government, 
instead to subjects of it. The world that we live in is one that we did not design, we did not approve, and we do not control. The question, ladies and gentlemen, is what are you going to do about it? All right, it's KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. My name is Mike Hagan, and uh, we're top of the hour now, just a little bit after midnight on 7th of July, 2020. Let's take a break here and play one from our featured musician of the evening. His name is John R. Miller. This one is called How It Feels in the Light.
Yeah, there you go. John R. Miller. That one's called How It Feels in the Light. Feels good. Okay. Um, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit, KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Before we go any further, um, I am reading right now, and let's see, it is, uh, I should say it's KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. It's Radio Orbit. I probably already said this, but for the record, okay. Yeah, it's July 7th, 2020. And I am reading now from www.cdc.gov, coronavirus 2019, NCOV, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm at the, I'm at the, uh, uh, I'm at the CDC's website. Now, you've got to scroll all the way down to the bottom to find this because they are not happy about it, clearly. But uh, the uh, title of the uh, section here is called Mortality Surveillance. And you would think that that would be at the top of the fucking page, by the way. All right? Mortality Surveillance, right? We've been talking about surveillance all night. All right? Well, the mortality surveillance of this of this pandemic of this disease it's the most important thing all right so it shouldn't be at the bottom of the page that you have to scroll all the way down to find by the way all right exactly anyway here i'm reading from it okay the national center for health sciences nchs collects death certificate data from vital statistics offices for all deaths occurring in the united states Based on death certificate data available on July 2nd, 2020, 5.9% of all deaths occurring during the week ending June 27th, 2020, that was week 26 of the year, were due to pneumonia, influenza, or COVID-19. This is the 10th consecutive week of a declining percentage of deaths Due to pneumonia, influenza, or COVID-19, the percentage is equal to the epidemic threshold of 5.9% for week 26. Data for recent weeks are incomplete, and the PIC, that stands for pneumonia, influenza, COVID, uh, percentage may increase as more death certificates representing deaths during these weeks are, yeah, it may and it may not, all right? But the point is, for 10 weeks straight, the numbers have gone down, and that's from the CDC themselves, okay? If you don't like it, uh, you know, suck it, all right? Uh, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue my little tirade here with the most important story that nobody has covered in the last week, and it is from Norway, and it is about a well-known Norwegian virologist. His name is Birger Sorensen and a number of his colleagues who have examined the coronavirus, COVID-19, and they've been doing it for some time now. And uh, I'm gonna read you uh, the story. He was interviewed by Minerva, which is a very courageous uh, publication. The only people that would even get get close to this uh, right now, but thank God they did. Anyway, so I, I'm just I'm just going to go with it, and Bart, uh, stick around if you'd like. You can comment on it afterwards, okay? Oh, right. sure. Okay. The most logical explanation is that it comes from a laboratory. 
The well-known Norwegian virologist Birger Sorensen and his colleagues have examined the coronavirus. They believe it has certain properties which would not evolve naturally. These conclusions are politically controversial, but in this interview, he shares the findings behind the headlines. Amazing work these two, uh, these people have done. Axel Fridstrom and Niels August Andresen. Thank you. Quote, I understand that this is controversial, but the public has a legitimate need to know, and it is important that it is possible to freely discuss alternative hypotheses on how this virus originated. Birger Sorensen starts to explain. When Minerva visits him in his office one morning in Oslo. Minerva is the, is the publication here. Now, this is a long piece, and I'm going to read every freaking word of it, okay? Despite the explosiveness of his statements and research, Sorensen remains calm and collected. Sorensen has been a point of controversy ever since former MI6 director Richard Dearlove cited a yet-to-be-published article by Sorensen and his colleagues in an interview with the Daily Telegraph. The article claims that the virus that causes COVID-19 most likely has not emerged naturally. Again, quote, it's a shame that there has already been so much talk about this because I have yet to publish the article where I put forward my analysis, Sorensen says, in the form of an exasperated sigh. Together with his colleagues, Angus Dalgish and Andres Susrud have authored an article that looks into the most plausible explanations regarding the origins of the novel coronavirus. The article builds upon an already published article in the Quarterly Review of Biophysics that describes newly discovered properties in the virus spike protein. The authors are still in dialogue with scientific journals regarding an upcoming publication of the article. News outlets are thus confronted with a difficult question. Are the findings and arguments Sorensen and his colleagues put forward of sufficiently high quality to be presented and discussed in the public sphere? Sorensen explains that they, in their dialogue with scientific journals, are encountering a certain reluctance to publishing the article, without, however, proper scientific objections. Minerva has read a draft of the article and has, after an overall assessment, decided that the findings and arguments do deserve public debate and that this discussion cannot depend entirely on the publication process of scientific journals. Now, as a side note, if you have any uh, trust in the large scientific journals left in you, it would be amazing because they have, they have been bought and sold as well. And the large pharmaceutical co uh, corporations are in so uh, much control of, of so much of this whole business. And it is so dangerous. But l l let me get back to this, okay? In this interview with Minerva, and by the way, I, you know, I'm sorry, but the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine and Nature and all these publications that used to be awesome publications, they have failed us, all right? They have fucking failed, all right? Because they have lied and they have, and they, and they have promoted bullshit, all right? In this interview with Minerva, Sorensen therefore puts forward his hypothesis on why it is highly unlikely that the coronavirus emerged naturally. On, and, and, you know, this guy, by the way, 
Dr. Sorensen is not just some nobody, all right? He's an incredibly amazing physician and, uh, and scientist who's done remarkable work, including a very important work that's been recognized about HIV, all right? Anyway, uh, in this interview with Minerva, Sorensen therefore puts forward his hypothesis on why it's highly unlikely that the coronavirus emerged naturally. On May 18th, the WHO decided to conduct an inquiry into the coronavirus epidemic in China. Sorensen believes that it is important that this inquiry looks into new and alternative explanations for how the virus originated beyond the already well-known suggestion that the virus originated in the Wuhan seafood market. There are very few who still believe that the epidemic started there. So as of today, we have no good answers on how the epidemic started. Then we must also dare to look at more controversial alternative explanations for the origin, Sorensen says. Berger Sorensen and one of his co-authors, Angus Dalglish, are already known as uh, HIV researchers par excellence. In 2008, Sorensen's work came to international attention when he launched a new immunotherapy for HIV. Angus Dalglish is the professor at St. George's Medical School in London who became world famous in 1984 after having discovered a novel receptor that the HIV virus uses to enter human cells. The purpose of the work Sorensen and his colleagues have done on the novel coronavirus has been to provide a vaccine, and they have taken their experience into trialing HIV vaccines with them to analyze the coronavirus more thoroughly in order to make a vaccine that can protect against COVID-19 without major side effects. The translation isn't perfect here, but at any rate, the difference between our approach and other vaccine manufacturers is that we have a chemistry background and we analyze the virus in detail as if we're making the drug, Sorensen starts to explain. Biology is also chemistry. So by considering the virus from a chemistry perspective, we carry out a more detailed analysis, zooming in on certain components. Stick with me here, people. Sorensen takes us through the basic elements of their approach. The first thing you need to establish is which parts of the virus are changing and which parts are stable. If you want to make a vaccine that lasts, you must stimulate the immune system to react against those parts of the virus that are constant. Otherwise, the effect will disappear and in the worst case scenario, lead to increased illness. Once we know this, we can try to make a vaccine. Where we differ is that we are trying to make a vaccine that uses elements that have as little in common with the body's natural components as possible, so that the immune system is taught to recognize exactly what the vaccine should protect against, Sorensen elaborates. Sorensen believes this is an important insight which will prevent the immune system from being falsely stimulated in a way that could lead the vaccine to too many dangerous side effects. When we have not succeeded in creating an HIV vaccine, despite the enormous efforts put into it, that endeavor for 30 years, it is because we haven't understood this, Sorenstein continues. He believes there has not been enough interaction between the part of the pharmaceutical industry that makes HIV medicines and the part that runs the vaccine research. As a consequence, the knowledge you need to make a successful vaccine against HIV in the big pharmaceutical companies has not been adequately exploited by the big international HIV-preventing vaccine studies that have been carried out. Asked about what significance his approach has had when he analyzed the coronavirus, Sorensen explains, 
We have examined which components of the virus are especially well-suited to attach themselves to cells in humans. And we have done this by comparing the properties of the virus with human genetics. What we found was that this virus was exceptionally well-adjusted to infect humans. He pauses for a second. So well that it was suspicious, he adds. It is already known that the novel coronavirus, like the virus that caused uh, the SARS epidemic in Southeast Asia in 2002 and 2003, could attach itself to the ACE2 receptors in the lower respiratory tract. But what we have discovered is that there are properties in this new virus which enables it to use an additional receptor and create a binding to human cells in the upper respiratory tract and the intestines, which is strong enough to produce an infection, Sorensen elaborates. Sorensen says that it is the use of this additional receptor that most likely results in a different illness in COVID-19 patients than the one resulting from SARS. This is what enables the virus to transmit to a greater degree between humans without the virus having attached itself to the ACE2 receptors in the lower respiratory tract where it causes the deep pneumonia. This is also why so many of the COVID-19 patients have mild symptoms at the start of the illness and are contagious before they develop severe symptoms, he adds. It might also explain why some people are super spreaders without being ill themselves, Sorensen says. In the already published article, Sorensen and his, colleague, and his colleagues Angus Dalglish and Andres Susrud describe what they claim is curious about the spike protein of the coronavirus, which makes it especially well-suited to infect humans. These findings are the foundation for the hypothesis Sorensen and his colleagues develop in the new article where they claim that the virus is not natural in origin. Now, a spike protein is a part of the virus uh, attached to the surface of the virus. The spike protein is used by the virus when it enters cells, uh, enabling it to stick. It, it, it's the, it's the, the property of the spike uh, determines which receptors a virus can utilize and, and, and which cells the virus can enter to create illness. Okay, that's what a spike protein is. There are several factors that point toward this, says Sorensen. First, this part of the virus is very stable. It mutates very little. That points to this virus as a fully developed, almost perfected virus for infecting humans. Secondly, this indicates that the structure of the virus cannot have evolved naturally. When we compare the novel coronavirus with the one that caused SARS, we see that there are altogether six inserts in this virus that stand out compared to other known SARS viruses, he goes on explaining. Sorensen says that several of these changes in the virus are unique and that they do not exist in other known SARS coronaviruses. Four of these six changes have the property that they are suited to infect humans. This kind of aggregation of a type of property can be done simply in a laboratory and helps to substantiate such an origin, Sorensen points out. Asked about whether this implies that the virus is not natural, Sorensen goes on to explain the laboratory process that leads to the creation of new viruses. I told you this was a long article and we're about halfway through and I'm going to read every word of it. In a sense, it is natural, but the natural processes have most likely been accelerated in a laboratory, he explains. 
It is also possible for a virus to attain these properties in nature, but it is not likely. If the mutations had happened in nature, we would have most likely seen that the virus had attracted other properties through mutations, not just properties that help the virus to attach itself to human cells. Sorensen vividly explains this argument. Imagine that you have cultivated a billion coronaviruses you've gathered from nature. Then you take this mass of viruses and inject them into a human cell culture from, for example, the upper respiratory tract. As a result, a few of those viruses will change in order to better attach themselves to this type of cell in the nose and throat region and therefore to infect humans more easily. You end up with a virus with a spike protein which is perfect for attaching to and penetrating human cells, Sorensen explains. Asked about the particular mutations in the virus that lead to this conclusion, Sorensen says, what we see is that an area that you could observe in the first SARS coronavirus has been moved so that the parts of the virus that are particularly well suited to attach to humans have become part of the spike protein that the virus uses to penetrate human cells. And it is this moving of the area of the virus which makes the virus altogether with the injected areas explained above able to utilize an additional receptor to infect humans. On a board in the meeting room where Sorensen is hosting our meeting, he illustrates what he is trying to explain and how a component of the virus, which previously was situated on another part of the shell of the virus, now has become part of the spike protein. Sorensen is therefore quite confident that the virus has originated in a laboratory. I think it's more than 90% certain. It's at least far more probable an explanation than it having developed this way in nature, Sorensen responds. Sorensen also highlights other data than those related to the virus properties. The properties that we now see in the virus, we have yet to discover anywhere in nature. We know that these properties make the virus very infectious. So if it came from nature, there should also be many animals infected with this, but we have still not been able to trace the virus in nature. The only place we are aware of where an equivalent virus to that which causes COVID-19 exists is in the laboratory. So the simplest and most logical explanation is that it comes from a laboratory. Those who claim otherwise have the burden of proof, Sorensen says. Do you understand that? I'm going to repeat that, all right? The only place we are aware of where an equivalent virus to that which causes COVID-19 exists is in a laboratory. So the simplest and most logical explanation is that it comes from a laboratory. Those who claim otherwise have the burden of proof. And I absolutely agree. Show it. Where is it? Right? There should be a store in nature somewhere. There should be animals that have it. Show them. Where are they? They don't exist, all right? The Wuhan seafood market, bats and snakes and all this bullshit. I don't know if it was Dietrich. I don't know if it was at the lab in Wuhan, wherever it was. These labs are all over the place, okay? There are lots of them, all right? There are lots of these laboratories, and they all should be shut down, every single one of them. The gain-of-function research that they are doing is good for nothing except for building viruses. They say that they're going to make, that they use this research uh, so that they can better uh, create vaccines. If, uh, 
uh, when and if these novel viruses emerge, they don't, no vaccines come from these people. All that comes from them are horrifying bioweapons. They should all be shut down immediately. And every media outlet on the planet should be talking to Dr. Sorensen. There are indeed earlier known experiments where changes to the coronavirus have been engineered. An interesting example of this kind of research is a collaborative effort between Wuhan Institute of Virology and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. In a 2015 article, Menachery et al. describes experiments with laboratory-created coronaviruses, the so-called gain-of-function studies. The purpose of this research is partly to better is to be better prepared for new pathogenic variants of the virus. But the researchers also write, the potential to prepare for and mitigate future outbreaks must be weighed against the risk of creating more dangerous pathogens. This risk must also be evaluated in light of previous known accidents where coronaviruses have escaped from laboratories in China. And I'm not blaming anybody. I don't know if this was an accident or if it just, you know, or maybe we're already at war. Who knows? Maybe we're already in the middle of a war. They don't tell us anything. So we don't know the truth about what's going on. But wherever it was, it was manufactured, um, you know, that's probably the way that it happened. And, and by the way, gain of function, this is something that they do in these laboratories. Uh, according to the U.S. Department uh, of Health and Human Services, gain of function studies refer to research which aims to increase the ability of a pathogen to cause disease. Can you believe it? I, I, this, is, this is according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Gain-of-function studies refer to research which aims, this is the goal, all right, people, which aims to increase the ability of a pathogen to cause disease. The method is controversial because it entails risks, such as viruses escaping from labs. <laughs> oh, for the love of God. Between 2014 and 2018, this kind of research was prohibited in the United States, but in December 2017, American authorities announced that the ban would be lifted. Unbelievable. It's unreal, you guys. All right. Several researchers have already pointed out that artificially created viruses would be easy to identify. We therefore asked Sorensen why this has not been identified earlier. Sorensen believes there are several reasons for this. The first is that this is a very uncomfortable finding and the production of new scientific articles that can be used to prove such findings has all but ground to a halt. Chinese scientists no longer publish articles that can be used to support such a hypothesis, he says. And newer articles that are published about the virus must be thoroughly investigated, especially in relation to the basic material that's being used. Sorensen expands and points to a new x-ray article published in Nature by Shang et al., which Sorensen also early has criticized for being misleading. To do my analysis, I have therefore had to go back to the source material and look at those articles that were published before the COVID-19 outbreak, where we have chosen to assume that the data that have been used is okay and reflects the actual conditions. Ask about why, I'm sorry, I, this is just unbelievable to me, all of it. Asked about why there has not been more debate on this topic, Sorensen also has several explanations. This quickly becomes a discussion on politics rather than science, Sorensen responds. 
Nobody wants to put forward the inconvenient truth. Many scientists are also concerned about their own funding and position if they were to put forward such a controversial hypothesis, Sorensen elaborates. It is nevertheless a fact that many people on the web have engaged in such a debate, but so far those who participate in such forums are characterized as conspiratorial. It is also the case that a debate about this type of viral research and the technologies used may damage reputation and lead to new restrictions on how to conduct molecular genetic research. With this in mind, it is not difficult to see that it must be difficult to get accepted papers in peer-reviewed journals that focus on such research. Sorensen himself is chairman of the board at Immunor, a company which is working to develop their own vaccine candidate for COVID-19. Hopes that his arguments will be discussed properly. Minerva has challenged him to address allegations that the hypothesis is launched publicly to attract funding for his own research, of course, right? You might imagine. Of course, it's in my interest that my research becomes known, but I am being completely open and I have declared all my interests. At the same time, I argue that it must be possible for those of us who work in smaller biotechnology companies to present our findings and get them discussed properly. If anyone wishes to contest my findings, they are of course welcome to do so, but I hope they will engage thoroughly with the arguments rather than derail them by discussing my motives, Sorensen responds. All right, the translation was done uh, by Catherine Jebson Moore. And there's the money statement in, in, in this whole article, which took me 35 minutes to read, is right here, all right? The properties that we now see in the virus, we have yet to discover anywhere in nature. We know that these properties make the virus very infectious. So if it came from nature, there should also be many animals infected with this. We have still not been able to trace the virus in nature. The only place we are aware of where an equivalent virus to that which causes COVID-19 exists is in a laboratory. The simplest and most logical explanation is that it comes from a laboratory. Those who claim otherwise have the burden of proof. And that is the truth. I wish other people would start to talk about it. All right, it's Mike. You've been listening to uh, Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM on the web at kopn.org. I'm at mikehagan.com. This is called Red Eyes. The numbers here are 573-443-8255, 573-443-7380, if you have anything to comment.
Francis liked her beer with VHs. She taught me about love and truth, and she got in my lane. She's got a voice to beat the band. Trouble dealt with every hand. Make no mistake, there is no man who can keep her soul. Red Eyes. That's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. Hey, Bean, you still with me there? Yeah, yeah. hey, Mike. Hey, so I, I know I, I appreciate you hanging on there. Are, are you still just out? What are you doing? You're standing outside of clicks, for God's sake? No, I'm sitting in my car. I got my oh. binoculars. I got my oh. friend Christian with me. We're oh, hanging out. Right on. All right. Well, well, stick with me again for a minute because I I, I got to finish something up here that, that 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 I started and I'm I'm going to bring it full circle. All right, and then I'll. Fantastic. All right. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, uh, on the web at kopn.org, we're streaming all the time every Monday from 11 till 1:30. Now, uh, my buddy Eric P. Sound Legacy will be coming in at 2:30. We're keeping an hour in between shows. So um, what we had originally thought was that I would do the show for uh, two hours uh, one week and then three hours the next week and kind of flip it back and forth where I could actually do the whole program. And then Eric would come in on the days where I was doing only two hours. But that only allows him to come in every other week. And, I, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to come and do his show uh, every week as well. So if I chop my show by a half an hour and he chops his by half an hour, we can still have an hour in between, which is what the board and uh, um, the management here at the station uh, want us to do and with good reason. So yeah, so I'll be on the air till 1.30 and then um, we'll have automation until 2.30 and then Eric P's Sound Legacy will be coming at you tonight and again next Monday, hopefully. All right. Okay, so um, my website is uh, www.mikehagan.com. And, you know, um, tonight we heard from uh, 
Edward Snowden uh, earlier and uh, Dr. Sorensen, remarkable um, the courage, actually, you know, that it takes to talk about this and to come out and, and go on the record. Uh, anyway, Birger Sorensen, I should try to get him on the show, um, but it's already done. You know, the, that's it. There's the story. And anyway, I appreciate it. I appreciate the courage uh, that, that it, that it took, took to do that and, and for Minerva to publish it. So anyway, interestingly enough, that, that thing was published. Um, that story came out on Thursday, uh, July 2nd. Get this, you know, and I mentioned the website, and uh, I always say that you can go to the forum, and if you click on the little button that says Radio Orbit Forum, yeah, you can, and there's a subreddit there, and I post all kinds of stories about all kinds of things, and there's just page after page after page of things that I've been uh, posting for, for years now that I find interesting, and recently, though, a lot of them, you know, have been about covid and um, certainly not everything that's out there. You guys know, I mean, uh, before this virus thing got everyone's attention, I mean, I'm not political. I don't talk politics. I'm, I'm totally turned off by all that stuff. I think it's a waste of time uh, and energy. Um, I don't really talk normally about medicine. I'm normally into, into advancing technology, you know, high tech robotics and AI and nanotech. But of course that stuff sort of crosses over into medicine and, and, and again, into virology uh, and certainly into bioweaponry if you, if you really want to get to the mat on it. But you know, all this stuff is about technology and it's, and, and it really comes down to the, the will of the of the people that are utilizing the technology the technology is neither good or bad it's just it's just there uh, it's about the intention of the people that 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 utilize the technology and what they do with it and that's a, that's a scary thing but anyway a, a, about a week ago i put up uh, a story um, that said flattening the curve has become a bait and switch now, a lot of the things that I put up there, I don't necessarily agree with everything. In this case, I actually did, but not always. I'm just put, I put stuff up that I find interesting, you know, and this article I found very interesting and sober. Um, and it, again, it's up there. If you'd like to look at it yourself, you can, <laughs> you can find it on the forum. Um, anyway, uh, it's there. But anyway, it generated a, a comment from somebody on the, on the forum there and it's someone that only comments on my, on my COVID posts for whatever reason, but this is what they said. I'm not obsessed. I'm just bothered. The virus was not engineered. Well, I will refer them to Dr. Sorensen. All right. The burden of proof is on you, Mr. It doesn't even matter what your, what the name of the, the user is. Cause it's, they won't, they won't say what their real name is, but anyway, not obsessed, just bothered. The virus was not engineered, not released intentionally. No one is using it to take away your freedoms other than perhaps you from being an unknowing vector. It's not a conspiracy to keep Trump from reelection. And thank you for answering in the affirmative about the MAGA hat. Oh, yeah, they asked earlier if I, if I had a MAGA hat. And that's the Make America Great Again uh, hat. 
and I didn't answer, but they say, thank you for answering in the affirmative about the mega hat. I thought so. And solar activity does not account for global warming either. You are spreading disinformation. And as a longtime KOPN listener and supporter, it bothers me that you take advantage of the voice they provide, even if few people hear it. You need to approach KSSZ Zimmer with your show. I suspect your website would be far better promoted there. P.S. I suspect from your voice that you're a smoker. That's a bad thing to do in the age of COVID. All right. So I, I you know, I'm a public person and everyone knows who I am. So that's what, no, no problem. You know, I, I, I everyone's welcome to their opinion but i get to i get to respond to it as well right so this is my response and i'll just read it what i wrote to this person all right for what it's worth and for the record i voice my opinions and i share those of others that i find interesting there are many differing opinions on the origins of covid-19 by many qualified scientists including dr birger sorensen I posted many of them on this forum. In any case, the virus is real and in the world and dangerous, but I believe it is also being used by all political parties and many powerful groups to advance their particular agendas. They want to take full advantage of, quote, never let a good crisis go to waste. I wear a mask unless I am at home, outside or with people in my circle, and I think it is wise for others to do so. Certainly, contact tracing will take away people's freedoms. Most will say this is prudent and necessary and acceptable. I do not. I do not care much for politics. I am not a Donald Trump supporter. He's a con man, a narcissist buffoon. I believe he must go. However, I also do not support Joe Biden, a rich, white career politician. The irony with as many skeletons as Trump he is a joke, and so are both the Republican and Democratic parties as a whole. Our country was lost long ago, and I do not see any of these hacks making anything better. I do not own a MAGA hat, but I am not triggered by any types of hats, and I respect people's right to wear pretty much any kind of clothes they like. The sun most certainly is involved in climate change. Any child could understand that. I have always maintained that humans play a role as well. I don't see where this is so controversial. I disagree with the hype. And again, there are many highly qualified scientists that disagree with the party line. Maybe you miss this because every, <laughs> I forgot I did this. Yeah, I'm saying maybe you miss this because I, I, I linked to a story. Maybe you miss this because every rag pulled it when they realized it was penned by Michael Schellenberger, a guy folks like you used to swoon over. Anyway, this guy, Michael Schellenberger, wrote an incredible article. I wish I had time to read it. Maybe next week. Uh, <laughs> that's the best. Okay, Michael, I got to do it real quick. Michael Schellenberger uh, is, you know, for 30, 40 years, I don't know, an environmental policy writer, uh, co-founder of the Breakthrough Institute, uh, the founder of Environmental Progress. He was named a Time Magazine Hero of the Environment in 2008, uh, winner of the 2008 Green Book Award. And, I mean, this guy was, I mean, if you want a poster child for environmentalism, Michael Schellenberg is, is one of the guys, all right? Well, 
Schellenberger came out last week on June 29th, and he wrote an article which nobody knows about because, uh, again, because all the rags pulled it. But the article is entitled, On Behalf of Environmentalists, I Apologize for the Climate Scare. Ha! Michael Schellenberger. All right? Google him and then look for that article, you idiots. All right. KOPN is a media platform open to the public. It is one of the few places left where free speech is actually understood. I appreciate the opportunity to produce and host my show there, here. Anyone is welcome to come to KOPN and get involved and present their opinion on things. What you call disinformation is anything that goes against your point of view. I do not make stories up. People like you prefer censorship to debate. I do not. And neither do the operators of KOPN, thank God. And I appreciate the career tip. At least I've got one listener. Maybe you're not obsessed, but I find it funny that my posts are the only ones that you ever comment on Reddit. Uh, I smoke cannabis. I don't smoke tobacco. And I do everything in public. And everyone knows my name. And I'm not ashamed of the things that I say or that I do. And I ask everybody else out there, what's your name? What is your name? Call me. I'm glad to talk about stuff. Bunch of fucking bullshit. You know, and I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else about bioweapons, all right? Because I know a little bit about bioweaponry, okay? And when they manufacture a bioweapon, guess what? They also manufacture what's called the countermeasure, right? That means a cure, all right? That means that, of course, you're going to manufacture that because if you're going to use this on somebody, you want to make sure that your guys and girls don't get it, right? Okay, so if Dr. Sorensen is correct and this thing was manufactured in a laboratory, then there's already a countermeasure for it, all right, people? If a vaccine comes out, miraculously solves this problem, it already existed, all right? They made it at the same time. That's the way this shit works. God. And everybody should be asking for it. Everyone should be screaming about that article. Unbelievable. Just for the debate, right? Just debate it, right? Sorensen puts it out there. He puts it right out and says, the burden of proof is on you, right? Show me where it exists in nature. 
Show me the show me the viral store in the animal kingdom, right? Doesn't exist. <clears throat> so, so show me the cure. Okay, that's all I'm asking. Show me the cure. I'd love it. It'd be nice. Okay. Oh, Lord have mercy. Hey, uh, Bart. <laughs> If you're still with yeah. me, it's uh, I, I guess I need something to change my gears here because I'm just I, I'm just so overwhelmed by 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 this whole thing. And I'm right there with you, man. I, I thought that I thought that show me thing. That's kind of a Missouri thing, isn't it? Well, I yeah. Mean, I mean, let's see it, right? I mean, yeah, that definitely. honestly, that this is what it comes down to is the burden of proof. And Sorensen has laid out his stuff, right? Him and his colleagues. Right. These are professional scientists that have been in the business for a long, long time and they got balls like church bells. Okay? It's incredible. And they have put it out there and said, Hey, the burden of proof is on everybody else. We we we've shown you. So come and contest our findings, right? Well watch watch the silence. All right. It'll be deafening. And it kills me. Because no one you know, it's just unbelievable. But but I guess, I guess I'm I, I guess I'm just, I guess we're just alone and, and <laughs> we're alone together, right? <laughs> All right, being, um, uh, sorry, buddy. You got any comments there, brother? Uh, hey, Mike, that was amazing. I, that all that information is very pertinent to things that I've been hearing for like the last couple, three months, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and I didn't plan for Bart to call and I don't plan any of this stuff. I didn't, I planned on reading that story tonight, but I didn't plan on talking to you and, and I didn't plan on losing control <laughs> of my whole psyche because of, 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 of this shit. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Ugh. It's okay. Hey, like it's okay to lose control of your psyche. You know that, don't you? <laughs> my God. Anyway. No, I thought, I thought, I thought your, uh, all your uh, your ranting and raving was quite precise. I'm just lost. I'm lost. Right it's so frustrating. Right I mean, it's un unbelievable. It's it's just the most most frustrating thing. <laughs> you know? I know. I'm feeling it too. I am. I, I am so. I am too. I'm so pissed off about how this is being conducted. It is it is a stinking, racketeering, and fraudulent pile of of uh, of, of uh, fraud. Yeah. What more can you say? Even though it's an actual virus, it's still the fear part of it is a fraud. All right, Bean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say goodbye. I gotta roll, um, and um, I'm gonna play a little bit more music, and then I gotta get I gotta do space weather and some other things. But, dude, I appreciate you sticking around and uh, and and hanging with me throughout that thing. <laughs> and uh, and uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for the information. Yeah. All right. You take care of yourself. Hey, bye. All right, so uh, also open that phone line, so 573-443-8255 or 573-443-7380 uh, if anybody wants to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, right? Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, the solar wind, yeah, that's what I need. We'll talk a little bit about the sun, all right? Uh, even though we are at solar minimum, uh, we got a minor stream of solar wind that was kind of buffeting the Earth's magnetic field earlier today, stirring the geomagnetic poles a little bit, and um, it comes from a, a sunspot that, uh, actually a, a coronal hole that's in the 
northern part of the sun's atmosphere. We actually have a, a, a one sunspot the, that is identifiable over the last day or two. It's called AR2766, and uh, still in solar minimum, though, we've had, we've had uh, a total of 139 days the whole throughout the course of 2020 where we didn't have any uh, spots at all on the sun. Uh, that's changing a little bit now, but I guess, uh, I don't know, we'll have to see how, lo- how long it lasts. Some people say that we're in what's called grand solar minimum, and that, that's, uh, that's something that would, would, would be an interesting um, uh, scientific uh, uh, observation, because I don't think we've ever really lived through one of those, or maybe we have, hell, I don't know. Um, anyway, um, this time of year, you also get to see cool things like noctilucent clouds. Uh, on the 5th and 6th of July, there was a major uh, outbreak, I guess that's an interesting word to use, but uh, some noctilucent clouds that were blanketed over Europe. You get to see like electric blue, frosted meteor smoke ripples over all the European capitals from Scandinavia all the way to the Adriatic. It was a phenomenal display of noctilucent clouds. And uh, a man named Victor Varis photographed the outbreak from Budapest, Hungary. And I'm looking at some of those photos here at spaceweather.com. And I appreciate them sharing them with us. And yeah, awesome. Anyway, he says, I was just getting ready for dinner when one of my friends, Alex, cried, noctilucent cloud, party time, says Varis. The electric blue clouds were almost directly overhead. I ran to the car and drove up Gellert Hill for a view of the clouds over the most famous sites of Budapest, the Danube, uh, the Danube River, the Chain Bridge, the Buda Castle, and Parliament. And yes, my dinner got cold, says Veras. Anyway, beautiful stuff. I appreciate him sharing those photographs. Paris was also uh, overcast by noctilucent clouds just a couple nights ago. Very bright. Uh, and again, more photographs from uh, the capital of France. Noctilucent clouds are the highest clouds that you'll ever see, uh, here on Earth at least. Um, they are seeded by meteoroids. They float at the edge of space about 83 kilometers above the ground. Uh, the clouds form during summer when wisps of water vapor rise up to the, uh, to the mesosphere allowing the water to crystallize around specks of meteor smoke. Wow, how cool. Uh, This summer, record cold temperatures in the mesosphere are boosting the production of uh, uh, noctilucent clouds. Record cold temperatures in the mesosphere. Interesting. That probably has something to do with the fact that we're at solar minimum, uh, if I had to guess. But anyway, uh, now there's a little story here about Comet Neowise. Um, When European astronomers woke up yesterday morning to photograph comet Neowise, that is uh, otherwise uh, titled C2020F3, they saw something they didn't expect. The Sunrise Comet was surrounded by noctilucent clouds. And again, uh, some very interesting photographs of this. Uh, Noctilucent clouds cross the skies like spider webs, says one of the uh, photographers. They're caused by ice crystals on particles of uh, meteoritic dust. This dust often comes from comet tails. And here we are. Both phenomena can be seen in one image as the bright comet Neowise is on the left, rising in the glory of the morning dawn. And uh, again, uh, 
tough to get a feel for what this is on radio, but if you go to, well, go to spaceweather.com. I need to put a link up there on the front page um, to get over to those guys easily. Uh, at any rate, cool stuff uh, about noctilucent clouds and comets. As July unfolds, comet Neowise will move away from the sun into progressively darker skies. Uh, it'll remain a morning comet for the next week or so, and then by mid-month, It'll shift to the evening skies, and even casual stargazers will be able to see it. Uh, you won't have to get up at the crack of dawn to, to check it out. So anyway, maybe you'll see some noctilucent clouds as well. And uh, I always encourage people to go out and take a look up in the sky. All right. Um, what time is it? 1.02. Got about a half an hour left of the program here. Uh, sporadic fireballs, the all fireball network, the all sky network. What's going on? I don't see any fireballs coming our way. Nothing big, at least. No pun intended. Um, anything close, though? I look at the distances that these gonna that these things are gonna come. You know how close they'll get to the planet. They usually measure them in lunar distances, which is about two hundred fifty thousand miles, two forty or so. Um, Nah, the closest ones even are, aren't, aren't any closer than four or five lunar distances. Sometimes they'll come inside the, the orbit of the moon. And if, if you've got a, a meteorite that comes inside the orbit of the moon, that's a pretty close call. So anyway, um, doesn't look like we've got anything too exciting right now in the skies above our heads, at least nothing that we know about. <laughs> All right. Um, a little before sunrise this morning, as a matter of fact, though, you'll easily spot um, the pentagonal constellation Auriga uh, rising in the east. Its alpha and brightest star Capella will be about 30 degrees, well, 28 and a half degrees, I guess, uh, northeast of the dipper-shaped Pleiades star cluster, uh, which is uh, the M45 uh, galaxy. Capella is roughly the same brightness as Vega in Lyra, but slightly cooler star which glows a little bit more yellow than than vega's pure white the you know the colors that that these stars give off are indications of the well their makeup and uh stage and evolution all kinds of things it's pretty amazing i mean whether it's true or not i don't know <laughs> but uh scientists can sure tell you a lot about uh about what they think is happening on uh, capella or uh <laughs> or Vega. Anyway, all right. Um, early morning is a great time to look for the famous double cluster in Perseus the Hero. Uh, that's Perseus H and Perseus X. Uh, those are NGC 869 and NGC 884, respectively. They are open clusters and uh, visible under dark conditions with no optical aid. And they'll really pop out if you have some binoculars or a small telescope. About 11 degrees east-northeast of Navi, which is the star that forms the middle point of Cassiopeia's western asterism. Um, each of those uh, star clusters is about 30 minutes across. And, uh, and relatively speaking, that's about the size of the full moon. And... Um, a magnitude of about uh, 4.3, and you can actually see those with the naked eye, and again, really nice if you've got a decent pair of binoculars or a small scope. All right, um, on Thursday, if you crane your neck uh, on July 9th, you'll be able to find 
Corona Borealis, the northern crown, high in the sky after dark. If you're having trouble spotting this constellation, look for the bright, golden-hued Arcturus. Wonderful book, by the way, Voyage to Arcturus. Uh, in the south, and uh, Arcturus is bright. It's just about a zero magnitude, and that'll be in the south, and you can kind of scan about 20 degrees northeast of that star, and you'll find Corona Borealis, the crown, which consists of seven stars that form a wide curved horseshoe uh, between Hercules and Boots. Okay, uh, I'm going to kind of abbreviate space weather and play another song here because we're going to get out of here at 1.30 tonight, but... Um, that calmed me down a little bit. I'm glad it did. Let's do uh, let's do another one here from our featured musician of the evening. His name is John R. Miller, and I dig it. And this one is called <laughs> "Lost Your Mind." It's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. Waking up on the shoulder, two friends and a passenger got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of tread to burn. You left the best of it behind you Pressing on till every sign just tells you you won't ever learn You ain't gonna learn Gray skies overhead, they don't mean nothing It's gotta come down hard sometimes, something's gotta fall You can drive that big machine till daylight Keep telling yourself you gotta admit after all You ain't gonna survive There's a rest stop in Virginia over the Tennessee line Trace it back to where you lost your mind in the middle of John R. Miller, but it's so rare that I get someone to call me these days. I figure I better take a phone call. Uh, it's Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit. Hi, who's this? Uh, hey, it's uh, your friend Wayne, Mike. Hi, Wayne. How are you? Hey, I just tuned in. I got the tail end of uh, you and Bill, old Bill there. Yeah, all um, right. How are you, you doing this evening? Uh, pretty good, man. I'm really enjoying You're You're really on fire tonight, my friend. Uh, I'm really glad I got around to like tuning in and listening to you. Well, uh, I, pre- I appreciate it being there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You, you sounded good, Mike. Uh, I wish I could have heard the rest of the combo. Uh, I'll hear the po- podcast, I guess, at some point. Um, I could just tell it's a good one. Well, what do you got going this evening? Anything good? Uh, I'm working outside, you know, uh, doing a little studio-type stuff outside, you know, playing with some lights right now, and I've been doing a few other things, but, you know, more active. You know, maybe it's it's likely, maybe not for sure, but my mother may be listening to the show right now. If she Hi, is, Mom. if she is, this is uh, yeah. Wayne, the man who made the piece of artwork that you love oh, so much. And, oh, 
hi, uh, Mom. Hopefully she's listening because she usually listens live, but it's a little bit late. So. And you were just up there and see your Mom and Dad, I was right? up there this last weekend, yeah. Oh, yeah. my. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, uh, you sound great. I'm really enjoying the show. I actually didn't know I was going to end up on the air, but I'm, while you had the track going, I was going to say, hey, Mike, wow, man. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I'm loving every second. So don't have much to say, but just wanted to check in. Wayne, you know, those photos you sent me earlier were classic, by the way. Oh, it was a good day, you know, all this social distance we've been having lately. And <laughs> like I said, I, like I said, you know. Where'd those old photos of Diana Moxon come from? That was classic. Um, well, uh, so my Facebook, you know. By the way, Diana, a wonderful show, Speaking of the Arts, Friday mornings yeah. at 10 o'clock right here on KOPN. That's right. She's excellent. Um, but anyway, um, so like uh, a 10-year memory showed up in my silly old Facebook, and it was uh this weird art bike project Chris Teeter and <laughs> I worked on, you know, in conjunction with Diana. And it was a really fun time. And uh, That was when the Art League that. was rocking, dude. Yeah, she, 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 wow, what she did for that place and to that place was mm. just amazing. It sounds like it's rolled over to just another version of a good thing, too. So, but, um, and so, we, you know, we were all sort of, and I guess like some magazines here and there picked it up. And uh, and that was a photo shoot from when we were working on the thing, and we just all had a good old giggle, you know. Wow. And uh, the, those photos of Chris and I holding envelopes was uh, <laughs> prize money, and we gave it right back to the art league, man, because that's what it was all about. Did you just did you just give the envelope, or did you take give what was in uh, it? Too? Yeah, yeah, just the envelope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, it looked good, you know. All right, my brother. Hey, Wayne. Hey, I, I hope to hey. see you later this week, my friend. Yeah. I hope, oh, you know we will. Lots of love. God bless. All right. Take care of yourself. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Wayne Leal, wonderful artist uh, in and around these parts and a special friend of mine and uh, does some wonderful artwork. In fact, he made a real cool piece that he gave to, my, uh, that he gave to me that I gave to my mother. And also, I, I have to uh, thank Wayne for doing just an amazing job of of. I won't say framing because we're trying to come up with a way to present uh, this piece of artwork that was uh, done by Brad Stearman, Bradford Stearman. And uh, it's kind of a uh, hard to describe, but anyway, Wayne came up with a super cool way to hang it and it is now hanging on the wall at my apartment. And I love it. And I appreciate uh, everything that he does and I appreciate his friendship. Okay, uh, it's Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM. What else do we have? Uh, gosh, I mean, I could talk about some stuff in the news. Um, I feel like just kind of burnt, you know. <laughs> Can't imagine why. But uh, let's, let's start at the top of the forum and see what – got a few minutes. Might as well just kind of scroll through and see if there's anything worth, worth talking about. Uh, the Radio Orbit podcast is operational, even though I've been lame about getting the last few shows up. I apologize. Uh, this, uh, uh, you know, it's the times, as they say. Uh, Edward Snowden on the surveillance state. We talked about that a little bit. Actually, he talked about that quite a bit. Uh, COVID-19 close to losing its epidemic status, according to the CDC. We talked about that. A plan to redesign the Internet could make apps that no one controls. That's from MIT Technology. Of course, that's a decentralized approach, which I love, a.k.a. Bitcoin. Archaeologists are using dogs to find human remains. Uh, 
an interesting story about uh, super cool dogs that are being used in archaeology and anthropology. Um, there's an article from The Atlantic, defund racial, <laughs> racial recognition, uh, facial recognition, about the same thing, I guess. Um, at any rate, um, that's a ridiculous story. To It says defund facial recognition before it's too late. Trust me, it's already too late. Um, there's some dolphins uh, surfing uh, in Australia. Pretty cool. Blind sight, a strange neurological condition that could help explain consciousness. I'm not sure there's anything that could help explain consciousness at this point, but uh, it's a good try. There's the, uh, the amazing interview from Minerva with uh, famous Norwegian HIV immunologist uh, Birger Sorensen. I read the whole article earlier in the show. I won't go back to it, but uh, I think the point has been made. The future of sex, highly advanced robots that can learn to talk, will soon go on sale for around 12,000 pounds in, in, uh, in England. Well, I'm not sure that learning to talk is that much of an advantage if you want to if you got a sex doll i guess you'd like to talk a little bit <laughs> all right uh virginia jeffrey's lawyers must destroy all the epstein files oh yeah this is something that's happened in the last week or so uh Ghislaine maxwell uh who was either uh, jeffrey epstein's handler or confidant or partner or whatever uh she was uh, arrested. It's big news. Um, we'll have to see if she survives to uh, to tell the tale. But um, certainly, Ghislaine Maxwell has the goods on all kinds of folks. And whether whether she survives to trial doesn't even matter. It shouldn't matter to people. The point is, you've got high level organized pedophile gangs that include. Very high-level people in government, in business, in education, in healthcare, all around, right? And Jeffrey Epstein was the tip of that uh, was the tip of that iceberg. Ghislaine Maxwell is uh, floating around right at the top of it with him as well. But it, it's an open secret, all right? Everybody knows it now, right? Everybody knows it and should be absolutely disgusted and sickened by the people that allow this to continue. Unbelievable. All right, check this out, all right? Ghislaine Maxwell to appear in court as fresh details of arrest emerge. More than 20 armed officers said to have taken part in the raid leading to her detention. Why do you need 20 officers? All right, you don't need 20 officers. You just try to make it into... into you know, everything's got to be sensational. Let's read. This one's more interesting, actually. Everyone knows Ghislaine Maxwell got, got arrested, and we'll see what she has to say. They already know. Everything's known. The black books, everybody's names, the, uh, the, the manifest on uh, the Lolita Express. Everybody knows who's been on the plane. It wasn't just planes. There are lots of boats that went there as well. It's not just one island. There's more than one island. Joe Biden owns a nice island down there, by the way. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, if nothing else. Um, but anyway, let's uh, continue here with uh, Virginia Jeffries' lawyers who must destroy all the Epstein files, the judge rules. 
Okay. A federal judge ruled on Wednesday that attorneys for convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein's accuser. And where's the Me Too movement to help this woman? A federal judge ruled Wednesday that attorneys for convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein's accuser, Virginia Jeffrey, must destroy certain Epstein files that were improperly obtained. The ruling came after attorney Alan Dershowitz requested access to the documents Newsweek reports. Dershowitz says that the documents would be an asset to his defense in the 2019 defamation case against Epstein. La, la, la. The court is now convinced that the production of the Ghislaine Maxwell materials to Mr. Dershowitz would even vindicate those important objectives beyond making life easier for Mr. Dershowitz. Senior U.S. District Judge Loretta Prescott said in her ruling, the sheer breadth of Mr. Dershowitz's request is worth reiterating. He seeks all filings and discovery materials, including third-party discovery from the Maxwell litigation, a years-long affair with over a thousand docket entries. The judge called Dershowitz's request not a targeted strike, but instead a carpet bombing. Authorities arrested Epstein in 2019 on charges that he both sex trafficked and conspired to engage in sex trafficking. He died the next month. Yeah. Anyway, Prescott ruled Wednesday that Jeffrey's lawyers had improperly gained access to certain documents since they were covered by an old protective order. The judge ruled that the lawyers must therefore destroy all of these documents and they cannot keep copies according to law and crime. The judge also noted that the law firm Cooper and Kirk must provide proof that the documents have been destroyed. Counsel shall submit an affidavit uh, detailing the steps taken to do so. These documents, unbelievable, right? Wow, I guess you got to go to great lengths when you when when this kind of stuff is coming to light. Anyway, I feel I feel for this woman, Ghislaine Maxwell. No matter how bad she is or whatever she was involved with, I still feel for her right now. And uh, I hope she tells the truth. I hope she has the chance to. Here's one. Here's a nice one. Controversial bill to microchip humans has passed in Michigan. Here's a nice Orwellian for you. Michigan passes controversial bill to microchip humans voluntarily, quote unquote, and there's not, I'm, I'm putting the quotes here, to protect their privacy. Wow. The Michigan House of Representatives has passed a controversial bill to microchip humans voluntarily in the state under the guise of protecting their privacy. The Microchip Protection Act would allow Michigan employers to use microchipping of their workers with their consent. However, Researchers have shown that the RFID transponders may cause cancer, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they passed the law in Michigan, and they can now uh, microchip uh, employees of the Michigan legislature, with their permission, of course. Uh, Bill Burr, and uh, Bill Burr, fantastic comedian. Bill Burr and uh, Burt Kreischer talking Bitcoin with Anthony Popliano. That's a great uh, podcast. You might check that out. Again, that's on the forum. Um, there's an interesting video of a giant potato codfish attacking the spy squid. You know, spice, they got all these cool little spy devices now that are fake uh, animals, like in this case, a spy squid. But I've seen, you know, little monkeys and fish and but they're just they're robots and uh, they kind of deploy them in the environment where real live animals are existing. And then they film it and see what happens. And anyway, this one where the uh, the potato codfish took care of that spy squid pretty quick. Um, there's a story about the Patriots uh, fan who stole the giant Super Bowl rings. There's that story from uh, Michael Schellenberger. I, I think you should read that if you're interested in, in climate change. And uh, 
He's certainly one of the one of the biggies over the last 40 years, and he's written some interesting stuff recently. Well, I guess that's about it. I think I'm going to say thank you and good night. <laughs> it's been a it's been a rush, and uh, I'm glad you were with me here. It's Mike. You've been listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. 89.5 FM, streaming on the web at kopn.org. Uh, for me, uh, mikehagan.com, and uh, I'll try to get this show up in the, in the archives in the next day or two. I keep saying that about all the shows, but anyway, uh, appreciate you listening, if you did, and uh, thanks to our musical artist of the evening, John R. Miller. Great stuff. We're going to play another one from John on the way out here. And um, thanks to Wayne and, uh, and for being, for keeping me sane throughout the show. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, I don't know. We'll see if I'm still on the air. <laughs> and uh, I hope so. And I hope you guys have a great week. Do your best to take care of yourselves and take care of other people. You know, it's a rough time right now. And, um, you know, do your best just to be a human. Take care of other people if you can. Take care of yourself, though, too. you got to do that as well. All right, it's Mike, and uh, it's been Radio Orbit, KOPN, 89.5 FM. We're going to roll out of here with John R. Miller. This one is called, I might play a couple of them. Let's play back and forth and get out of here with relaxation. All right, once again, John R. Miller. Catch you all next week. She grew up too fast in the moonlight. Taught herself all that she knew. Nobody knew what she looked like When she took off her dancing shoes There were men who'd have loved to mistreat her Were a few to whom she gave the chance She'll never take a ring on her finger All she ever loved was the dance It's back and forth steps and waltzes dragging her heart behind through all the songs if anyone knew the pain she'd been hiding they'd never think she's doing wrong there are few who claim she's just an angel wearing a clever disguise and if you can see past her old broken halo I'd take your hand for the night You don't ask her too many questions She'll talk if she wants you to know And don't bother trying to get her number likes to lay low and if you're lucky enough just to witness the way she moves over the floor you might see that she ain't of this world you might see something you can't ignore it's back and forth two steps and waltzes dragging her heart behind through all the songs anyone knew the pain she'd been hiding They'd never think she's doing wrong There are few who claim she's just an angel Wearing a clever disguise And if you can 
see past her old broken halo She might take your hand for the night Treat her. Refute to him, she gave the chance. She'll never take a ring on her finger. All she ever loved was a dance. Taking home a dime I got me a sound degree And a tried and true philosophy Don't matter where I end up now I'll still be doing fine Relaxation Naps in the afternoon Relaxation Drinking beer since two Relaxation Procrastination Time's wasting Life's an endless vacation when you got nothing to do I'm not one to deny little work when it's around But I ain't too inclined to buy a tie and go to town Running like a rat in a cage of his design Crying like a baby once you've wasted all your time Relaxation Naps in the afternoon Relaxation The price is right for you Relaxation No taxation for this occupation I got my own education Being on the move Try again. 